Hi everyone, it's Jack from the pod here. Um, just a quick note to let you know that you know this pod is for entertainment purposes. You know, and these are these are our opinions. Um, and it's yeah, it's just here to have some fun and hopefully you know provide some insight. So don't take this too seriously, um, and please keep that in mind when you're listening. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Another episode of From the Backseat Football Podcast. Um, as always, I'm your host, Jack, and with me here today, I've got a very special guest. We didn't expect to have him back so soon, but as our prime Chelsea correspondent, Chelsea don't fuck around and they do a lot of things quickly. So it's my pleasure to say that we've got Joe back on the pod already. How are you, Joe? Thank you. I'm very good. I'm very good. I say very good. I mean, there have been some, uh, some rocky times in the last couple of days, which... Uh, you you can feel negatively and positively at the same time, it seems. But uh, aside from that, things are good in Denmark. Uh, the Danish winter is coming, which means that we should all crawl back into our caves very quickly and uh, expect a nice three to four months' worth of dark winters over this way. But um, upside, football is still on, the World Cup is coming, mm-hmm. and we can look forward to the heat of Qatar. Of course. And, you know, what is more exciting than the heat of Qatar? Um, <laughs> quick, uh, quick, quick thing, non-football related, but just want to say from this podcast, um, we're both pretty sad and, and yeah, pretty saddened by the news that the the Queen of England, because we're both we're both from England, and no matter your feelings towards the kind of royal family, or whatever, she was a great uh, kind of ambassador for the country. So. Our wishes to her family and to the country, and yeah, as neither of us are in the UK at the moment, um, it's a bit sad for us, but yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, outstanding queen for us, going all the way until her deathbed, representing the country well. And um, of course, that means that this is a bit of a, a somber podcast for us, but um, we hope to still be able to deliver the good, cracking jokes and uh, entertainment that you expect from uh, this channel. Exactly, exactly. Uh, right, let's get into some very spicy football. Actually, before we start, I need to plug. I need to plug the podcast a bit more because we always leave it to the end and we always forget to do it. So. From the Backseat Football Podcast. Mm, follow that on Twitter. Do we have Instagram? No. But if you think we should get it, we'll totally get it if you think it adds value. Follow us. Like us. Love it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's get into some football. Um, Joe, we know why you're here. Chelsea, there's a lot going on with Chelsea. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel there's a lot of segments. The match is almost the least important part of all of the all of the questions. So firstly, how did you feel um, about the news that Tommy Tuchel had been sacked um, on Tuesday? I think probably the match is the most important place to start here because in the same way that when we played Southampton and I was the guest on the pod before, we got dominated in midfield and all over the park really against a very good Zagreb team, must say. But um, it was unexpected after after the games that we played in recent weeks. We had a good result against West Ham, which we must say, but then going into Zagreb, you thought with those two final goals against West Ham, the, the confidence would be up, the players would be on it. We would get that that, that grit and the t- determination back as soon as you hear, you know, the, the champions meet league music, the lights are on, you're in a foreign country. I'm sure the weather was beautiful in uh, in Croatia at the time. But then we get on the fit, the pitch and, uh, you know, first 15, 20 minutes was good. Aubameyang showed some signs of, of fitting in the system well. And then suddenly the rest of the game, we looked like we had no idea what was going on. And we, we got absolutely played off the park, which um, you must say congratulations to Zagreb first. Uh, mm-hmm. But then following the match, the most surprising thing was listening to, to Tommy Tuchel's press conference as he... He was in a very somber mood. He was, uh, at some points, very emotional. And 
just seeing that, I kind of felt the writing was on the wall. I don't know why. I, I had a really bad feeling around Tuchel's uh, mentality, his uh, his position, and it just seemed like something wasn't right. So um, I think, as I said on the last pod, I fully back Thomas Tuchel in everything that he's done for the club over recent years. Not only the successes, but backing us through a very hard time through the transition to new ownership and through the sanctions that were on the club. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you definitely think that you would have a bit more in the bank, with uh, even with new owners, to to really push him through any sort of bad times that you might have. Uh, and a you know, good comment from uh, from Klopp after the Liverpool match, which we'll speak about in a bit, where Klopp said uh, they asked him, you know, do you fear for your job? And he said, no, I, I back my owners to trust me to be able to turn the ship around. <laughs> Whereas obviously, Daddy Todd's <laughs> until uh, hey, until Mr. Potter, he's not messing around. He's is not it? until Mr. Potter got bought it. And I was thinking, okay, he wants to be the sporting director. He wants to be the owner. He wants to be the chairman. <laughs> Fuck it, maybe he wants to be the manager as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how's his right foot? Maybe he can play up front as well. You know? Oh, he looks like it. Maybe he wants to do it all. I, I, I'm just getting images of chunks from Soccer Aid. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard to see, yeah. yeah. Probably as effective. But uh, but I have I have been impressed with the the swift turnaround here. I mean, in the in the same day that Tommy Tuchel got fired, we had the sadness and the somber note that I feel most Chelsea fans felt uh, of him being sacked. But then same day we're being linked to Graham Potter who I've mentioned previously, I definitely wouldn't be unhappy to see him managing Chelsea. He's playing the mm-hmm. same system. He seems to have a good knack with players, a good emotional connection to the players that he's playing with. And also, as I mentioned before, he's got a very good human element to his game, which many of his ex-players have, have mentioned, that the, the way that he deals with the players, the way that he sets up tactically, everyone not only knows their job on the pitch, but feels comforted. They feel like they are all recognised. They feel that they're all part of the same ship that's steering towards that, that desert island. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it was a hard day, but very good from the new owners to be able to turn something around so quickly. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the good thing about it is that you barely had any time to to kind of rest on it or see what happens in the preceding weekends, you know, without him. Um, yeah, it's been decisive. I wasn't sure who was going to come in, and you always wonder: is it going to be someone like Zazan or like previously like Ancelotti? Like they're just going to go for a big name. That's kind of like the Chelsea brand. So I was very pleasantly surprised about Potter. I have some concerns about the actual job for him, and definitely some sympathies for Brighton in general. But seems like a good move for Chelsea because yeah you're right it plays the same system he knows at least one of the players intimately already (laughs) he he couldn't get away (laughs) from uh, Kukurea's golden locks could he he couldn't he couldn't (laughs) seeing as he lost Kukurea that was it that was the end for him his head was turned he couldn't help it he couldn't help it (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I do think I think it's a good sign I think Tuchel's been desperately unlucky one thing I do want to ask you is to me I don't really understand why Chelsea sacked him this as soon as the transfer window shut, basically. No, well, um, I've, been, yeah. uh, I've been hearing a lot of things from the club, um, just Same. to give you a bit of the insight. And it seems like the, the management team, being Tuchel mostly heading that up, and the club's new owners have been on Rocky Road since the summer, really. Um, some of it has been on the pitch, especially with the poor pre-season that we had, uh, but mostly off the pitch. The, uh, the ownership have been uh, reported to be not so impressed with Tuchel's attitude, uh, Tuchel's outward appearance, and, and especially during a, a really tough transfer window where we lost a lot of the key targets. <laughs> he always had it in him to pull a strop, and I, I feel like he pulled some big strops here with, uh, with new ownership that perhaps aren't quite used to the football football ownership and football management as a whole so you can imagine that as they're getting all of these uh, really quite harsh comments from a, a German manager who doesn't really mince his words they probably felt maybe a lack of friendliness from his side maybe a lack of understanding that that this is a transition um, 
but at the same time, you could say that Tommy Tuchel was just trying to do his best for the the playing squad to improve the players that he's got. Uh, yeah, there's there's also additional reports that um, after the unfortunate divorce between Tommy and his wife during the the last season, that uh, Tuchel has had off-field problems, which um, which could have contributed towards maybe his emotional mm. state throughout the time. But um, all, all in all, it just seemed like a bit of a whirlwind that ended up with uh, with the new ownership looking for a manager who maybe is a bit more in line with the culture and the ethos that they're looking to bring to the club. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think it's definitely harsh on him in isolation. But yeah, maybe what's happened here is that I have sympathy for him because he, is a, he can get a bit frustrated with ownership. Same thing happened at PSG, you know. He just got tired of it and I think... He was put in a position which most managers don't want to be in, where he's basically got to pick up the sporting director role, kind of. Mm. Um, he's got to deal with all of this noise and change while still trying to you know, qualify for the Champions League and finish the season well. Then he's got to like, get involved in all these transfer meetings. And like, and yeah, I didn't realise there was stuff going on in his personal life. So it sounds like he's just, he's just had enough at the moment, basically. Um, and maybe work wasn't yeah wasn't a hundred percent of his focus. Um, and if that was was apparent to players and you know to the leadership, then I don't think I don't think you can begrudge them for getting rid of him. No, but it does seem harsh on on paper. I think. And it does seem harsh you know on. we're human beings. Sometimes things outside of our work can contribute towards the way that we perform. Uh, it seems like mm-hmm. football's just not one of those games where you can you can stand on your laurels. Um, you know, there, there have also been reports that Tommy Tuchel, he's got a new younger girlfriend. There was some talk about that in the playing squad where he was going on very lavish, expensive holidays, staying at very expensive villas. <sighs> you know, it's it's uh, maybe maybe Aubameyang. <laughs> Tommy Tuchel saw a, bit of, <laughs> saw a bit of himself in the big man and thought, you know, maybe I like this lush yeah. lifestyle now. But, um, but actually, just... <laughs> Coming back to kind of some of the statements that came out of the club today when, when Graham Potter was announced, just reading out the, the statement from Todd Bowley here, he says, We are thrilled to bring Graham to Chelsea. He is a proven coach and an innovator in the Premier League who fits our vision for the club. Not only is he extremely talented on the pitch, didn't know Graham was uh, coming back to the playing squad, <laughs> but he, he has the skills and capabilities that extend beyond the pitch which make Chelsea a more successful club. And that is something that I really feel is, is key in this, that they're not looking just for a coach, as Tuchel kept on saying that he wanted to be. Tuchel's mindset throughout this whole thing and in press conferences were, just leave me alone to be a coach. I just want to coach my playing squad for, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. And it seems like they want to bring back someone who's used to creating a project and uh, looking at Graham Potter, he's got a, a master's degree in leadership and personal development outside of football, which he studied before he became a manager. He's also shown that he's used to picking up a project and running with it. So you could look at this in a way that they're looking for someone who wants to take more responsibility than just what's on the playing field. And also looking for someone who has an ambition to support a sporting project that uh, who who may even be happy to admit that he's not looking for silverware straight away, but looking to build a legacy the same way that Alex Ferguson did in Man United. Um, big statements, though, from the club, and I'm really interested to hear how they believe Graham's going to push forward with this. Yeah, I mean, for him personally, it's, it's really interesting because if you look at his career arc, he's gone from fourth division you know, in with Ostersons, mm. Ostersons, I think, taking them all the way to the Champions League, moved to Brighton, kind of took them from 16th all the way to 4th at the moment. And now he's moving on to Chelsea with, you know, eyes on kind of winning the Premier League within a couple of years, I would imagine. Mm. So it's a hell of a ride for him. And each step he gets to, he does, he does settle very quickly and then, you know, start to build and grow again um, and be more effective. So I think it's a good... I think it's a good uh, appointment by Chelsea, and it's been really decisive. And right now, he's like he's like the most on vogue manager yeah. in the whole Premier League. So you've got like the guy that everyone everyone likes the idea of, but no one really kind of had the had the ball to go get him. Basically, no one dislikes um, so him. No one, no one can say they dislike him. 
No, no, no. He's got the respect of everyone in the league for sure. I mean, Pep's obsessed with him, <laughs> and I always thought maybe he follows up Pep at some point. So I think Chelsea have done well to get him early. I do worry about British managers when they go to big clubs because the records for you know recent people like Moyes and Rogers, and to a lesser extent Solskjaer, who were definitely less qualified for the jobs than Potter is. None of them have ended that well in the end, and I do worry about him that this ends with him getting sacked as it always does, you know, at Chelsea, unfortunately. And I just don't want his reputation to get burned in that process and him to still come out the same way Tuchel's going to come out of this and people will know, like, he's a pretty good manager. Yeah. Like, there's, this, this is not really a reflection on him. It's just, it was just the right thing for all parties. And that would be my only worry um, mm. for him, you know. Agreed, agreed. But if you look at all the managers that have left Chelsea in recent seasons, they've all gone to go get reasonable jobs off the back of it. You know, but a lot of them are reputable managers already. So, of course, that's that plays a part. But even Frank Lampard, who had less experience than Graham Potter in managing the league, after departing the club, he had job offers from from fairly decent Premier League clubs. Everton is a, I have to say, a project for him. But, you know, I, I don't think that Potter is going to come out of this with too many bruises. Um, the worst that you could say he could come out of this with is the maybe a reputation that actually, you know what, he did at Brighton, he did it at Uster Sands, he did okay at Swansea, but he's not the elite creme de la creme manager. Uh, but he could still get a very good job somewhere like West Ham, one of the international clubs again, as he's already got work internationally. Um, but no, I, that's looking so negatively upon it. I think he's gonna, <laughs> he's going to do well the way that I see it, fully back the pot, pot pot and uh <laughs> but i think uh, i think hopefully if the club give him time if they approach it as a project and if they they let him build a squad i think it's going to be good i just hope that uh, he doesn't start fishing in the old brighton tank uh, and bring in uh, uh, leandro trossard or a, or a, <laughs> or a, a, a good player trossard's a good player ah, but if he was 24 you He's worth looking at. He's approaching thirty, yeah, though, mate, and he's yeah, yeah. No, that will be interesting to see because the signings he makes are signings that none of us have ever heard of, and Chelsea can't really shop in the you know like Ecuadorian league. <laughs> they could, they probably should, but they can't. Question, you know? question for you though: so, What player do you believe would thrive under Graham Potter from the current Chelsea squad? Does that exclude Kukurea? Yeah. I feel like someone like Conor Gallagher or sadly Billy Gilmore literally just went to Brighton to get games, so it's bring him <laughs> back. I feel like definitely the younger players, particularly in the middle, are going to have a good time because like when Brighton play, like, what's his name, McAllister, he's kind of developed a lot since he came. Um, he's now starting to score goals and kind of dominate games. Same with um, Caicedo, he was introduced quite slowly and now he's quite a force. So I think his work with midfielders in a in a like three five two or three four three system, he turns them into really solid like all round midfielders who are good at a lot of different assets or facets of the game. And I think Gallagher's really good at certain bits, and I think he's going to turn him into a much more rounded player so that he can actually play in the middle. Because at the moment you're just like moving him around trying to fit him in, and there's a desire to make Gallagher work. It's not really worked yet at Chelsea. No, it's early days, so I think he would be the one who has the most upside because he's struggles at the moment. I'm going to say uh, Armando Brozier. Yeah, I can see that. I would... The only problem with Brozier, right? He scores too many goals, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that. I, well, I was going to say, I'd love to see Potter. He's got with an actual goal scorer in his team. He's tried so hard to bring a good goal scorer to Brighton over the last couple of seasons. He doesn't fancy it, mate. He does not fancy it one bit. No. It'd be good to see, though. It'd be good to see. So, a lot of excitement ahead. A lot of excitement ahead, and we'll have to see what happens at Fulham on the first game under Potter's reign. But, um... Yeah, man. I, I so thank you for uh, for spending so much time on the Chelsea segment, though. I appreciate that. Um, but we got it's big so, news, mate. It's the biggest story of the week. Big news. And hey. I'm keen to uh, take as much time on this podcast as possible because there are other matches. That are, <laughs> you don't want to think about bit, it, do you? Yeah, a bit, bit mixed about. I've got some choice words to talk about. Uh, um, Jack has uh, Jack has been a bit sad today through. Uh, the results <laughs> I'm not going to say what results in previous days you know he was pretty sad about Tottenham beating Marseille but there, I think there's one result that you really wanted to talk about wasn't there Jack that um, 
you know, I, I think it's time. Oh, I reckon it's time to go for a break, mate. First of all, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, all right, fuck it. Let's do it then. Napoli 4, Liverpool 1. <sighs> How, uh, what right. would be your overall assessment of the game, Jack? Okay. I think it's just the same... It's, it's, a, it's the same theme that we've had for a lot of matches this season with Liverpool. They're just quite slow. They start really slowly. Most teams seem to be able to just attack them early on and just create pressure through intensity. Which, by the way, is what we used to do. So, what... Where did that go? And like, when did we become so susceptible to the thing that we spent, what, four years trading? So we should know, we should do that in trading. One of us is doing fast starts, so one, one of us has to deal with it. But yeah, we seem totally unable to uh, start quickly um, and seem to continuously concede the first goal. That happened again. They won a penalty after a pretty clear handball, no complaints from me. Um, and then they won another penalty after just another really ropey challenge from VVD, who looks massively off the pace at the moment. That was really well saved by Alisson, but at that point, it was, I think it was 2-0 already, and it was another pen, and I was just like, oh my days, this could actually get really bad now. Mm. Um, yep. Thankfully, it only got to four, but I had reservations. This was going to be oh, like our worst ever defeat. It was quite bad, it's wasn't it? Up, it was quite it bad. It was really bad. We, uh, I, I was quite surprised to see that your defence, actually, especially for the second goal, your defence just seemed to switch off as he played that ball behind. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of your most simple moves that coaches train for is the give and go. We all know about oh, the no, give no. and go. You, he, the, the, wing, the winger, who played excellently, by the way, uh, their new winger, uh, I'd love to be able to pronounce his name. But, um, <laughs> so, yes, so I believe you're referring to Karach... Oh, my God. Kavak, oh fuck it! The Georgian Messi. We we'll have to try again, mate. We'll have to try again. Let, let, let me uh, let me see if I can do any. Uh... <laughs> okay, it's, it's a really tough day. The, the Georgian Messi, um, the big man, as we will call him from now on. Yes. Um, yeah, he. I mean, it's as simple as he played the ball back to the midfielder Zelinski, I believe it was. He played it through again. And he was just open on goal. It looked like your defenders, it, it looked like their battery packs had fallen out. They just paused for a second. I don't know what happened. You know, you think that VVD is a fucking Duracell bunny, but he isn't. He wasn't in this game, as well as Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez had an absolute shocker um, and yeah, left Napoli in. And you're looking at Napoli, a team that you, you could call in, in transition right now. You know, Stan Pauli's uh, in, the, in, the, in the dugout, which is a you know, very good manager. Did very good things in Marseille, um, and now you're looking at uh, you know a team that is buying these new players. The Georgian Messi, how much did he cost? About eight point five million, something like that. Eight point five million, mate. And in Syria, he's got four goals and one assist in five games already. He is considered an absolute wonder kid, and yeah, one of the best transfers this summer. Um, I'm going to know uh, why more, more clubs aren't looking at him. I'm going to try. He was, he was the best player on the pitch. He was. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, Kvarat Schiller. Kvarat Schiller. Am I right? Am Let's I wrong? Kvarat Schiller. Schiller. Listeners, look, I apologise to all the Georgian fans out there. We tried our best. Um, yeah. Very good player, though. He, he, was, he was noticeably good. And what I liked was that, like you said, Napoli's in transition. There's no Koulibaly, no Insignia, no Mertens for the first time in like a decade, maybe. And so he's stepping into Insigne's position on the left wing. Mm. Um, and you didn't notice any drop-off in quality, I thought. Like, I thought he was genuinely the best player on the pitch. He, he just terrorised Trent and Gomez. Who, by the way, I'm coming round to the realisation that Gomez and Trent shouldn't play next to each other anymore. Mm. Because the current version of Gomez is not playing very well um, and is making a lot of mistakes at the moment. And so when you pair him next to Trent, who we know is not the best defender and who right now looks a massive liability, it's just too easy. Like, you just go down that side and you're in. You basically get, like, a, a good opportunity every time. Uh, yeah. Okay, right. Is it right to say that with Trent in his current position that maybe you're admitting that playing deadly balls across the box isn't quite enough to be able to <laughs> to say that he is better than the big man Reese James. Right now, 
it's no comparison, mate. Reese James is miles ahead than Trent right now. Trent is pissing me off right now. Like, <laughs> I love him, but all the things that he's good at, right? He's good at passing. He's good at playing out of the press. He's good at assisting. He's not doing any of those. It's almost like, you know, right, there's a, there's a thing when you learn skills and you kind of like, you work on them and you get good at them. And then you get so good at these skills that they become unconscious. And that's when you start to forget to do the basics properly. And I feel like that's almost what's happened. He's gone around the full cycle. Because, yeah, like, his passing is fucking shit. It's <laughs> rubbish at the moment. <laughs> and, like, his positioning is bad. But the thing that is annoying me the most, this is why I'm annoyed now, because I really like Trent, he's pissing me off. It's like whenever someone goes past him, or past Gomez, right, there's a gap. What do you do as a defender? You, you go back as fast as you can. You just try and put them off. Something. You try to do something, even if there's no way. He just jogs every time now. If you watch the, the third goal, like after they do the one-two, you see him just walking back towards the goal. No pressure, no intensity. And it's just like, those are not forgivable things to not even be competing. Mm. You know, It doesn't matter how good you are. Like You can't be doing that. But unfortunately, there's no competition for his place, really. Like We got that youngster. Well, that, that's it. That's it. You need someone to be able to challenge that place. That's it. A player's mm-hmm. the, the main culprit of players getting complacent is themselves, but also themselves because they don't have any competition. If they don't have a competition to, to keep them going and keep them on their toes, I mean, you could be the best in the world at anything, but if no one's ever creeping up on you, you're going to let your standards drop. Exactly, and you need that push when they do drop, you know. Yeah, look at and Messi and Ronaldo. Re- Messi and Ronaldo, Pro- League- La Liga, those prime years of when them two were just on top of the world because they had each other. They were pushing exactly. each other. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. And actually, that is probably a broader issue why people like Van Dyke at the moment, Van Dyke is not playing well this season. He is, he has dropped off quite significantly now to the point where, and it sounds crazy, but maybe there needs to be a threat of him actually being dropped. Mm. The problem is that, like, there isn't, there isn't, I don't think Canate's fit. Matip's just come back. So Matip needs to go straight back in for Gomez because Gomez was worse than Van Dyke. But honestly, right now, I'm genuinely concerned because I think the whole team just looks out of form. They look mm. unfit, they look sloppy. Like, they look really toothless when they actually attack as well. Like, Salah's not getting involved in the game anymore. The only players who look decent are Diaz and Elliot at the moment. Diaz looks very good. And a fantasy team, he looks very good as well. Thank God I've had him from the start of the season. <laughs> but uh, what about Darwin? Look, when Darwin came on, he we improved a lot. Um, I don't know if if he's exactly what we need right now, but... You know, it's an evolution, isn't it? It wasn't going to be immediate. We've played with a false nine for basically... No, not everyone can buy Haaland, can they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think there's enough there to be to be happy with it. He was definitely overpriced, but who isn't overpriced anymore? But, Big shout out um, to Napoli, though. They they seem to have a, a top striker on their hands, you know, with that, with Aussie men. Yes, mate. Very, very good player. Like, he's been linked with what? Chelsea, Man United, like tensively for Everyone, a while. Tottenham, Arsenal. Yeah, and yeah, he looks a really good player. Like he's got pace, he's got energy, like he's good at shooting, he's got good hold-up play. He's basically a complete forwards, um, mm. even if he missed his penalty, which was funny. It's a classic striker, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got the foul, so I get to take the pen. doesn't matter who's the designated penalty taker. I get to take <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> but, uh, but he did look good, and he, he seemed like he was on it. Uh, yesterday, mm. really on it, looking for every loose pass he could pick up, looking to rob defenders at any point, which he did successfully quite a few times leading up to the goals. And actually, he seems, you know, pretty technically gifted as well for quite a big man. Um, yeah, very good. I agree with that. I think in an era where there's not a lot of high quality forwards and even less complete forwards, yeah, clubs like Chelsea. And Man United should certainly be looking at him more closely come next summer or even January. Because, yeah, as good as Aubameyang might be, man, he's not the answer beyond this season. We need to do, uh, we need another transfer window pretty sharp for Liverpool, honestly, don't we? You, you, <laughs> you've not done enough, mate. It's still all <laughs> somehow. <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was Liverpool right now, out of all the positions, I'd be looking to sign a centre back. Just someone to put some. A centre back and a right back. 
put some, maybe even a bit of both. You know, you could buy like a Mark Cucurella style player that can play both. But someone who who's putting some pressure on Trent, but at the same time giving you some options at the back. Because if if I saw, <laughs> I was going to say if I saw my team switch off like like you guys did, uh, which which I have done a lot in the recent weeks, um, I would I would be pretty upset because it was two of the goals where the defenders just looked like they they fell asleep, watched the players go around them, and uh, there we go, Napoli's in for a goal. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, the sad thing as well is that it's time to end the James Milner starting for Liverpool. Like he looks so off the pace these days now. Like he got a yellow card so early, and like he just gets bypassed. And it's right. like we're playing with you know ten men basically at times because he's just he's just not there. And I don't know if you watched the full match, but as soon as Thiago came on, Jesus, we were so much better. Like Thiago was just biting into challenges, like winning the ball, doing things. And the difference was like, it was immediate. Like, suddenly we were on top of Napoli. And so, yeah, Thiago looks furious with some anyway, of the he's, Thiago's him. been a big fan of the Champions League for a long time now. That's yeah. his, his, his ambition. I say exactly. his ambition is, you know, he, <laughs> he is, uh, he's been a player that's always had a lot of love for the Champions League. Um, so I think, uh, of course, look at him versus Jimmy Milner, you know who you'd play. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, look. It's, it's no reflection on James Milner, but 36, 37. We can't, we can't, we can't go into the season right with James Milner as our starting midfielder and Harvey Elliott as our other starting midfielder. Like, what is that about? And so this is where I'm getting annoyed because actually, what does this say about the ownership? Like, what? Look at Chelsea. What did Chelsea do? Right? They were like, we're just going to buy. We're just going to buy. Like, yeah, it's too much money. Yeah, we're overpaying. But, like, we need Stratford. We're just going to do it. Huh. And Liverpool, like, we have a Stratford in the midfield. And everyone knew we had to. And we got Arthur on loan. Got Arthur on loan on the last day. And so, sometimes, we don't need to balance the books. We can just go ham. And just uh, get one more body in there early. Like, we always do it slowly and carefully. But now, look. Look at how many points we've dropped playing James Wilder. And Harvey Elliott in midfield. I love Harvey Elliott, but we should he should be starting every game. You know, he should be being looked after through games alongside like Henderson and Fabinho. But yeah, mate, it's messy. Like yeah. we've we've left ourselves really short, and it's not it's not looking good, Briv. It's not looking good, Briv. It's looking back at Arsenal fan TV. You don't think you're going to win the league? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm just worried about top four at the moment. Like, yeah, yeah. When you've got teams like Brighton creeping up. Maybe not, yeah, not so much anymore. Though. It's never you been know. more competitive. And, yeah, there's like, what, seven, including Newcastle? Seven or eight, including Brighton? Eight yeah. doesn't go to four very nicely. Yeah, well, we've never seen teams like West Ham before drop £60 million on a player. Exactly. Now we're seeing it. And now we're going to see what happens. I love it. I love to see it. I think it's going to make everyone better. The same as we've just been saying about getting some competitioning. You know... The top one or two, three, four, the top six even have been challenging for those top four spots for a long time now. If we have a top eight, a top ten that could all get those spots, it's only going to make the players and the teams above them better. Yeah, true that, and that's fair. But um, just a bit salty right now. I wasn't personally expecting the drop off to be quite so prominent. You know, from no. what what could have been the greatest season of all time, certainly from a Liverpool perspective last season, to this like sluggish. Start. It's just it's it's been a surprise and it's a little readjustment in sort of my and expectations for the season. Yeah, and when you look at your points total last season, comparison to City's as well is so so close. And uh, I can imagine also in the mindset of the players when they they do lose by such fine margins, it can possibly drop off uh, your mm-hmm. your your uh, ambitions, motivation, maybe just put some doubt in your mindset. So, um, but I, I think you guys will come back. I wouldn't doubt Liverpool. You guys are top side, top squad. Uh, and as much as you talk about the owners right now, you know, FSG, I, I've, have you seen the film Moneyball? You must have well, seen the film mate. Moneyball. Of course, mate. You got, you I, know, got old, I know it well, mate. Old Henry at the end, you know, doing bits with the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, they, they, they know what they're doing. They, do they know, know what they're, they're doing, doing. But, yeah, we've left ourselves a little light, I think. And the panic, the panic... Loan signing of Arthur kind of says it all, really. You know. Well, you know, we we got the line, loan signing of uh, Zakaria, so <laughs> you yeah, can't say but... Chelsea's got it done right. You know, we we've also made some an Orba final day of the season. As much as Orba, you know, he could 
he looked pretty yeah. good the other day, but um, I, it's uh, shaky moves, you know. Shaky moves indeed, my man. And actually, Shake. I would have preferred Zakaria. I think he's a good player, so shame, really. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how these things work out, isn't it? <laughs> uh, who knows, though? Who knows? If Arthur could turn it on the same way that he did at Barcelona, top player. Yeah, fair enough. All right. I think I can hear that dog starting up again. So let's take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll cover the other two um, Champions League games, Man City and Tottenham. And we are back um, for the last two games. You might be wondering, like, where are we going to do all the Champions League games? The answer is no, we're not going to do all the Champions League games. We're just going to focus on the Premier League teams. And then as the season develops, we might, you know, if there's any real juicy ones, we might, we might cover them too. Um, but listen, it's a lot of games, you know. You can't do 10 Premier League games every week and sometimes twice a week and expect all the Champions League games. And I think you, you, you had a goal in this pod, right? That you were going to try and uh, reduce this to an hour per pod. And for those of you who love the content out there, you know, I, I apologise because this was not my decision as a guest of the pod. But um, <laughs> also, I, you know, many of many people suggesting that uh, an hour is a good amount of time for, uh, for a piece of content. So I think the attitude is pretty much just fuck it and uh, exactly. let Jack and Hugh do exactly how they, uh, they do. Exactly. More is, as they say. So, <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, like you find out at a nice buffet. I had a, I had a nice buffet last night. It was, more was definitely better. There's a lovely <laughs> little sushi buffet in in Copenhagen. Um, I will tell you the name of the restaurant once they sponsor the pod. Um. <laughs> Good shout. Give nothing for free. <laughs> it's a man of business, Give, this guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to do you guys well. <laughs> Right, okay, let's get into the next game. So, Sevilla, nil, Manchester City, four. Uh, not really that surprising, was it? Was it, Joe? I mean, in my head, I was like, after dropping points against Villa, they're going to smash whoever they play next. And they did. So, normal service is resumed, I, I feel. Interesting game, that, the one against Villa, though. I, uh, I definitely didn't expect that, given the trajectory of the two teams. But I think anyway. Pep said before he would have preferred to play Villa when they were on top rather than, uh, rather than lacking points. As, uh, as he said, they're always more dangerous when they're needing a, a bounce back. But um, yeah, it looks like is... he, he went up. A... Sorry, I was just going to say, that's the Pep Guardiola kiss of death. You know, He always says that about Brighton before he humps them 6-0. Or like teams <laughs> that he absolutely destroys. He always says... Very easy time to play these guys. Like, such a good team, such a fantastic team. And then boom, smashes them. So he was trying to do it again, I feel, against Villa. You know, pick them up and then knock them down. <laughs> I would prefer that kind of press conference than uh, the Tommy's ones over the next couple of days. Where he's just like, I don't understand. They were so shit. My players were so shit. But maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Who knows? It's kind of like, kind of like a. Uh, uh, a divorced father that's trying to take the piss. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not paying enough alimony. Maybe that's why my son's getting bad grades at school. Oh, poor Tommy. Tommy, if you, if you uh, feel scorned and you need to write some wrongs, mate, you're welcome to come on this podcast anytime, mate. We'll give you. Don't worry, Tommy. A whole I, I wasn't. We'll get Joe on as well so you, you can correct him for that. <laughs> I felt a bit bad there because Tommy obviously did go through a pretty messy divorce. But, uh, you know, Tommy, I, I would love to have you on the pod because I would love to meet you in person and shake your hand for everything you've done for my club. Yeah, a virtual handshake. Just, just a little little cap tip just before we go into the uh, the Champions League section. Mm -hmm. Diego Costa's back in the Premier League. Is it official? It's official. Oh, my God. What an icon. He's like <laughs> Premier League royalty because of the impact he left of just ruining Arsenal's life for two or three years. Yeah, I, I remember. Was Gabriel Magalhaes still there at the time that he was playing? Uh, I don't think playing? so. I don't think so. No, I thought he was. Maybe he's, no, maybe not. But uh, no, no, they had another centre defender back then, another Brazilian geezer. I can't remember what his name was. Um, 
but Diego used to be all over them, didn't he? Yeah. I loved it. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm pretty sure he's no, he's nothing like the player that was here last time. But you know what? Just just for the, the reality TV element of it, like, there's gonna be there's gonna be some fun now, guaranteed. And wolves are gonna they're gonna they're gonna go up the sort of ranking on podcasts like this, just because it's gonna give them more stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. But but you know, putting forward the question though, he's joined wolves. I know that Diego switched nationalities from Brazilian to Spanish. Is he Portuguese now? Has he joined Portugal? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's what everyone's, and no one can tell him otherwise. <laughs> I wouldn't want to tell him otherwise. No, <laughs> he was he was a crazy guy. I loved him so much. He was a great player. Yeah, he's just the definition of the guy you want on your team, not on the other opposition team. Yeah. I still remember that that scene where uh, he came into an Antonio Conte press conference after we won the league, and he uh, he started pouring champagne over Antonio Conte's head. Guess what? Guess who's out the door next summer? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Only he would be brave enough to do that. Because Conte's, Conte's on, on the same sort of mad level, you know? You wouldn't mess with either of them, so... Fair. Different type of mad. I, I'm going to look forward to seeing Tottenham versus Wolves whenever the next game is. Shame that we just had a Tottenham versus Wolves because that would have been a nice reunion between uh, an obviously very uh, angry little manager and a funny big Spanish slash Brazilian bloke. That's a good point. I look forward to having you back, Diego. If you want to get on the pods, I'm another person that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it, but I'd be... I don't know what kind of pod it would be. I have no idea what kind of content might come out of that. He might be an absolute gen. He might also just storm out halfway through. It's really hard to say, but I guess that's part of the fun, isn't it? I would imagine that you would speak about zero football games. Yeah, well, he would just set the agenda, wouldn't he? That would be it, really. You might have a plan, but he's just going to railroad it. <laughs> who knows who knows but speaking about football games let's uh let's let's talk about city for a bit you know we I, I've, you run out of adjectives to be able to describe the way that city are playing at the moment but harland is a top top striker he's proven it he's hit the champions league running now uh, just poaching goals left right and center it really looked like from that goal the first one that him and kevin de bruyne have a bit of a thing going on now yeah, it's just another, Battle of the another, yeah, another dangerous weapon added to their immense you know, arsenal already. And yeah, that's only going to improve as things get on, particularly as he gets on the wavelength of other players like Foden. Um, so yeah, Haaland, no surprises there. Another two goals. It's only 12-7 and seven for City so far this season. Um, and 25 goals in 21 Champions League games across his career. Mm. Just, just crazy. Yeah. Just ridiculous, isn't he? But um, I have to a big shout out to Fojan, who I thought played a very good game. Yes, mate, I'd agree with that. Um, I think Foden this season, and I remember you talking about it last time you were on the podcast, um, calling him David Silver or David Silver Light. And you're so right, like the way he, the way he plays, like the goal he scored, like there's so much poise and patience. He takes it, he waits, you know, shimmies a little bit, and he just just rolls it in, <laughs> like no drama. Most people panic, you know, and just kind of take the shot. Yeah, there's there's a very cool and composed element to him, which is all very not English, you know, traditional English um, hmm. attacking player. And yeah, it's, exactly, it's really wonderful exactly. to see. Interesting to see, though, as well, because he is he's an English player. But um, what I love to see, though, and he did it all throughout the game, as he always does, is he just picks up balls in little pockets. He has gives and goes. He, t- he plays the technical game very well. But just being able to find those little pockets of space and then play in other players to better positions. I believe that he doesn't just have the ability from kind of your your development and, and player uh, physical attributes that you, you would expect from a player like him. But he seems to also play chess when he's playing the game, similar to how David Silver played. And it, it's something to watch, really. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, is that you can't really define exactly what kind of player he is anymore because he's not like an out-and-out winger, he's not like a centre-forward. I guess he's an attacking midfielder in a lot of ways, but you can see him playing deeper um, as well. He's basically just one of those players who are just so skillful and so good that 
they just wrap a lot of different things into one. Um, but yeah, England are lucky to have him, and Pep's done us all a massive favour getting him this good already. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Long will make continue. Let's see Qatar. It could be folding Gio as long as him and uh, Jack Grealish don't get locked up in a Qatari jail beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't rule it out, would you? Especially one of them. One of them's an absolute renegade, isn't he? <laughs> Top shagger Jack. Mm. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting up dresses left, right, and centre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on the subject of England, actually, quickly, one thing I wanted to bring up earlier, um, which I forgot to, because we got carried away with the Tommy Tuchel chat, was that England have to just play with Rhys James and Ben Chilwell, because Chilwell was actually amazing in that game. Um, and I realise we're just bouncing around a bit on this podcast, but you know what? It's free form, guys. It's free form, free ideas. It's a safe space. But yeah, he was immense in that game, and talking about Foden, talking about those two wingbacks, like... We just have to play to the strengths that we have of the best players playing for the best teams in the, their main positions. And, yeah, it's a bit of a tangent, but I just I just love Chilwell and Rhys James. It's it's a it's a it's a big statement. It's a big statement. It's it's very surprising for you to go in with this because Chilwell, when you saw him come back the other day against West Ham, what a goal he scored! And you know, again, maybe he wasn't on top of his game against Zagreb, but none of the players were. So I, I actually think Chilwell and Rhys James, you see the way that they work together on the wings. They're always aligned with each other. They always know what the yeah, other one's doing. Yeah, a lot, a lot and actually, when they start there, zipping those yeah, cross field balls to each other. Chilwell you can't really until, say no you know, with uh, with team chemistry game. like that. So, you know, England's hopeful, time, like, very hopeful. He's almost just as direct as Reese James is. Like his, it's almost his first instinct is to just get in the box, which, yeah, is going to be a really good asset for England, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, really yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to talk about City. Like, what do you say? Uh, like, hopefully, like, a very good asset. And you can you can tell on the pod, guys, that we really don't want to talk about Man City, do we? But it's that's the issue. Chelsea, the things that you run out of superlatives, don't you? You run out of things to say. They're just so good. And everything we say is something that we've said before. But they are going to do well. They are is that it takes serious coaching and sort of, yeah, extremely high-level mentalities to just keep this up every single week, no matter what, season after season with the same players. Because, like, Chelsea dropped off, Liverpool dropped off this season. Like, competing and matching City over long periods it has a shelf life for basically every team, but they just maintain it no matter what. And it's... I don't think anyone's ever been this consistently good um, in football so yeah it's a testament to them it's pretty fine for everyone else because they don't seem to ever stop but yeah just a golden era it's hard, it's hard to even use the use the argument that they've got the budget to max, match now because to- City were not top spenders of this uh, this latest transfer window and you know, catching up with them is, is real tough. They they can attract the best players. They're searching for, for young talent to fit the roles. They've got a great setup. And, um, you know, one of the things that I envy about them is their sporting director setup. Um, very similar to how they, they used to do things at Barcelona. And uh, something that's lacking with Chelsea is the sporting director at the moment, which uh, Todd, Big Daddy Todd, he's trying to do his best there. But um, <laughs> I think to, to get to where City are, you know, even for Liverpool, it's it's a it's a job now, a very very difficult job, and uh, who who you know, hot take? Will they win the Champions League this season? Maybe. Hot take? I think yes. I think there's a bit. I'm just gonna go in. I'm just gonna go for it. I'm on records. I think they're gonna win it this year. They look. They so need good. to. They need to. Uh, wh- who could win it? And uh, I really hope they don't, being that they are. The, the arch enemy is uh, Spurs because Spurs unfortunately have lost their Spursiness. Mm, what a nice segue, by the way. You know, 
This is a guest host who's vying to become a co-host. You can tell, mate. He's <laughs> Self-segwaying. He's just taking control. <laughs> but that was... That I am um, just waiting for that uh, the paycheck to come in, the first paycheck yeah, for the round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going back on that bench, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tottenham, Tottenham played a very good game. Um, didn't, you know, could, you wouldn't say that they were... They were fantastic. You know, Ricarlison had two good goals, um, played well. Seems like uh, he's finding his feet now at Spurs. Last couple of games, he's been used as an uh, impact sub, you might say. And uh, seems like Conte is getting more and more trusting him every day. I was a bit surprised when he signed for Spurs. I didn't know if that was the, the player that they needed at the time. But um, seeing as Kane, he dropped so deep. It makes sense that you have a, another runner in behind, apart from Son, who can who can start making those moves happen. And you know, Son's probably looking over his shoulder, thinking that you know I, I've been the best player at Spurs for so long now, and now you have this other player coming in who's playing a similar position, and um, is actually doing really well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought it was lovely to see how much scoring his kind of first ever European goals meant to him, because um, yeah, I did look at his signing and think sixty mil, you know, like that's that's quite a lot of money for a Charleston. Um, but actually, I really, really like him as a player. Um, I think he's got everything that you'd want in sort of a modern forward. Like he's aggressive, he's tenacious, he's got good strikers' instincts. Like he links up well with players. He's just got it all. It turns out, and I think with Conte, he's gonna bring him up another level um, and kind of get his output. Um, yeah, maybe like you know, fifty to twenty goals and assists combined for the season. Yeah, potentially, potentially, you wouldn't call it out. I mean, he's he's doing quite well already. You know, he's getting into some good numbers. So, uh, who knows, mate? Who knows? You know, the season as it stands, it can go in and out very quickly. You never know what's going to happen next with this season. Um, suddenly, let's say Spurs hit a bad run of form. Conte starts getting a bit edgy. Maybe he starts True. calling out Daniel Levy. You know, you never you never know what's going to happen. But at the moment, they look really good and. Uh, uh, even though we, you know, obviously Chelsea absolutely destroyed them in that game of the season, <laughs> one of the first ones, have to bring it up. But um, they, yeah, they're losing their spursiness and they they're driving out results even when they're not playing their top top game. So um, good to see. You're bang on I don't think I don't results, think they're good. Despite performances not being that good. Um, the other thing as well that I thought was interesting in that game um, was that Harry Kane. He had a few chances, and I feel like he's getting more and more selfish and more greedy um, than he was previously, because he used to love assisting Son. He used to absolutely love it, almost as much as he loved goals. But at the moment, I think he's been told to be more greedy by Conte this season, and stop trying to do everything and just just focus on scoring goals. Because yeah, he probably should have passed for a few of the early chances, but like, he wants that record. He wants all the records, and it seems yeah, like he's I mean, laser focused now. When you've got Harry Kane in your sides, if you're a manager, you, you it's very hard to say don't go for it. Because mm. he, he, the thing that Conte has said, and he's come out quite a few times and said this, is that Harry Kane is up there with the top strikers that he's managed. And uh, that's that's something that's I mean, it's, it's obvious when you say it, right? It's very obvious when you say it. But, but if you think about how Conte thinks, he's probably just absolutely thriving on the fact that he's got a striker who's proven... Who's in the in the seeing the two hundred goal club now for the Premier League? I think that was. I uh, think he's very close. Hit. I think he's. I think he's in the hundred nineties somewhere. Uh, but he's 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 you know you can't doubt a player that scores goals like he does, and the fact that he brings so much more to the team, uh, he could he, he's he's Harry Kane right? He's Harry Kane. He's still young. He's going for all the records and uh, fair play to him. Go for those records. I, I don't think, as uh, I think I was just saying before, I don't think that Spurs are going to get to the same place that they were getting to that time that they got into the final. But um, you also said that back then, you didn't think they'd get into the final. So so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, Touch woods, you know, Chelsea Spurs final, that'd be an interesting one. <laughs> Might be getting ahead of yourself there, mate. <laughs> we could get once Graham Potter starts implementing his style, mate. There's no stopping. <laughs> you know, Graham Potter, that elite Champions League manager, he knows the competition <laughs> well. <laughs> ah, but some might say that he's going to do some wizardry on us. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I sink it in. Oh God. <laughs> that's. I 
nice, Baz. You should work for the Sun. <laughs> I've been I've eyeing up all the jobs in this football world. The Sun back pages is definitely one of them. How, how hard can it be to come up with a few puns? Not too hard. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's been really nice to have the Champions League back. I think that having the Premier League coming so thick and fast than us, you know, we've been really enjoying having the Premier League back and being able to report back on the games, being able to analyse all the games. And, you know, I'm sure my girlfriend is, is going to be... Uh, is so happy to have both weekend games and midweek games that she can enjoy from the back seat with us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Same here, you know. She absolutely loves having to, you know, not come in this room for like two hours, <laughs> especially when I'm sitting in the middle of the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is that I'm right next to the fridge as well, so <laughs> I, I always get in trouble. <laughs> oh, man, that's poor positioning from you. You're inviting, <laughs> You're inviting noise. I know, I know. But uh, it's so good to be back. I mean, yeah. I, I also have to do a shout-out to Barcelona. I, Why am I doing a shout-out to Barcelona? They stole all the players that we were going to go for this summer. But <laughs> that's very, they, that's they very, played. It's very good of you, mate, you know? Not very generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very generous. It's nice, mate. <laughs> if, if anyone's been generous with, uh, with how they're spending money this season, it's Barcelona. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, g- generosity comes in the f- when you talk about generosity you know it's a word that you're generous with the resources you have and Barcelona you look at the amount of resources they actually have to spend they've been very generous with making sure that they they burn through all of those resources and give up their future to a 31 year old uh, 33 year old Lewandowski but yeah. uh, he's scoring goals he's doing well yeah he's still doing bits I don't think that was in doubt it was, it was never in was doubt it? whether he was going to be good. It was just, you should probably should destroy your next 20 years for two years of goals, you know. No, it was his third, it was his third Champions League, not his third hat-trick, but it was his third club that he scored Champions League hat-tricks with. Yeah. So, um, still doing bits. He's just, he's just an elite player, isn't he? He's an elite player playing at the top of his game, like, yeah. Even yeah, though, yeah. Even though he costs too much money, when he when he's in this kind of conditioning, you don't know how long he could go for. If he goes for five years, then it was totally worth it. Like you mm. don't know, he could be like Zlatan. He could just keep going. Yeah, you don't really have an idea. He does have that Zlatan build and mentality about him. Um, he could, he, you know, it's, it's, he's also going for those records. So um, him with a new look Barcelona side, steadying the ship, providing that focal point up front, I, I would take him. I mean, yes, we do have the, the class <laughs> act that is Armando Brozier, but um, I would still take uh, Lewandowski over Brozier, just, well, just. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. You've just taken 33-year-old Aubameyang, so I'm sure you would probably take 34-year-old Lewandowski. <laughs> it's not that different, <laughs> I, is it? <laughs> no, but I still think Armando Brozier, he's coming, he's coming. I'm going to say this on the pod continuously until he scores goals, but he is coming. He, he looks a good player, to be fair. He does look a good player, and Potter will make him good. Yeah, for, for those sure. of you on the pods who who haven't known us for so long, Jack and I, um, unfortunately for him, are always having to muse about the latest Chelsea youngster coming through the academy, <laughs> as uh, I will frequently pin Jack down into conversations around how the Chelsea youngsters are coming through and which ones we think are going to come to the fl- come to the light next. Um, we're still waiting on that Ruben Loftus cheek prediction, aren't yeah, we? But that, that, that was like the original. That was the one you were excited about for about five years, and yeah, still waiting on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was smashing it when he was sixteen years old, wasn't he? So yeah, still waiting. Yeah, agreed. Um, right, a last point on Marseille, and then and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, because we didn't actually yeah, speak about the months, yeah. and that's that's not right. You know, that's not fair. Especially no, as, not for uh, our French fans out there, you know. Exactly. So yeah, I thought I thought Marseille played played really well. To be honest, I don't think there was that much difference between them and Tottenham until they got the red card, which was very, very, very clear. To be honest, just absolutely chopped him. So I don't <laughs> think there could be any complaints. It's just a bit silly, really. Um, yeah. It kind of ruined the game, to be honest, because I felt like Marseille might actually get something out of that game. Um, it, but then yeah, uh, after that, it just felt like. It was inevitable that Tottenham were going to score. And yeah, they did in the end. Um, How are you feeling about Gendouzi? 
because he's he obviously stirred up some bushes when he was at Arsenal, and uh, it seemed like Marseille were only really one of the only willing clubs looking to take him on. But do you know? Maybe uh, how how do you feel about him? Well, what I from what my very this is probably not true by the way. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna caveat this straight off. Um, but my understanding, having spoken to a few Marseille fans, is that. They really like him because they quite like a spiky character, you know. They quite like the sort of angry, spiky players. Um, like Dimitri Payet, massive hit there, and he's a little bit the same. Um, different kind of character, but you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't fit in every dressing room, these guys. Um, but they have a real soft spot for this kind of character. So it was actually the perfect move for him because he can be himself and they embrace it rather than at Arsenal where they, you know, admonish him and tell him to not do that anymore and try to be someone he's not. <laughs> Um, so it's an interesting re- like reclamation project um, that's happening for him and I'm all for it mate he's, I think he's in the national team now or in the national team squad zone so he's obviously done the right move and by the way thank you for this you know getting me on this topic because I found it interesting Marseille and Arsenal what's going on there why are all the Arsenal players moving to Marseille is there is there something going on because Tavares is now there and he's absolutely smashing it. Um, Saliba was there last season and became, you know, a player who stepped into Arsenal's back line and become their best defender. So there's something going on here. And don't be surprised if Arsenal send more youngsters to Marseille and they come back absolutely prem ready. <laughs> Just wondering if there's anyone that could go the other way, go from Marseille to Arsenal. I wouldn't like to say, mate. Wouldn't like to say because my Marseille is not strong enough to answer that question. Nuno Tavares, I reckon he might fit in well at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, eh? But they have signed a very interesting player, actually, right now. There's this, uh, the new man, Klaus, on the right-hand side. I uh, read that Chelsea was in for him um, at some point in the season. He was uh, left wing-back, right wing-back. Um, seems to have a cracking left foot on him, which is uh, interesting as, as Marseille was deploying him on the right-hand side in that game. Um but he he seemed like a very interesting player, and as a as an older player, really coming to the forefront. I think he was playing for Lens before, but you could you could correct me on that, uh, Klaus fans. Um, but he 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 looks like a very interesting player. Uh, very leggy, uh, runs runs with the ball well. Um, yeah, we we could see something from that Marseille squad, and. Um, very interested to see where it goes. Yeah, no, Marseille's in a good place at the moment. Finished second last year. Um, they've got a reasonable group where, you know, if things go play well, they could qualify. Uh, probably behind Tottenham, you would you would expect. But they're in with a shot of actually making, you know, making some waves in Champions League after being out of it for quite a number of years. And I'm here for it, mate. I like Marseille and I like the team they've built. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would be amiss on the pods if I didn't give a shout-out to uh, the Eintracht Frankfurt fans. It's a sad loss against Sporting the other day. Um, the reason why I'm doing this is uh, a few fans that I, I'm good friends with uh, took a bit of offence for me uh, calling out the Bronby supporters <laughs> last week and giving them some credit. Uh, apparently, this is uh, an unfair uh, representation as I should be supporting and giving shout-outs to everyone. So you might have said, new, a new team on every pod. This team, this week, Frankfurt. Big shout-out <laughs> to uh, to my German brethren out there. Um, shame you guys didn't do so well, but you had a very good result the other weekend. Um, and it looks like just a bit of consistency is needed after losing one of your best players to Juventus over the summer. Fair, mate. Kostic, Kostic, I believe, ah, was the player. Ah, yeah, Kostic was a good player. I didn't realise he'd left. That's unfortunate for them. He's a very good player, and he will do well. Yeah. Wait, wait where's he gone? Juventus. He will. Did you say Juventus? Yeah, yeah. They picked him up on the cheap. Oh, of course they did. They're just gonna. They're just, of course they're they just did. They're gonna have him in the squad and not play him for a couple of seasons, and then try and sell him to someone. Scumbags, mate. This, this is such yeah, a good model. Exactly. Just hoovering up all the freebies. <laughs> And of course, um, a lot of chat came into this uh, this round of fixtures on the Scottish teams, um, having both Celtic and Rangers in the prem- in the Champions League. Uh, a shame that uh, both got absolutely smashed uh, by both uh, Real Madrid and Ajax, respectively. But um, good effort, guys. Keep on going. We hope that you do something. 
uh, one of the Scottish teams coming through would be nice to see. And um, yeah. let's 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 keep keep repping the Scottish teams. I think they could do something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Realistically, all we're looking for is one of those famous uh, one nil wins against Barcelona. Do you remember those? Like Celtic had a few <laughs> yeah. of those back in the day, and like that, that that's that's what you want, really. That's what you can really ask for. Qualification would be good too, but you know, just just causing some causing some ripples, mate, on the European stage again. Speaking of, you know, Rangers is in your group, so you know, a nice, uh, <laughs> nice away win against oh, Liverpool at Anfield would be lovely, come wouldn't it? On, don't do that, especially after, after <laughs> getting smashed by Napoli. You know it could happen now. Uh, Tavernier smashing two goals from right back. The what a player! He's very good. What a player! He's very, very good. Look, <laughs> don't know how he's not been snapped up. Look, we might talk about that game in more detail. Hopefully, not Liverpool getting smashed by Rangers at Anfield, but who could really say right now? Liverpool are in a weird place. Who can say? <laughs> I'll try not to bring it up again. I'm not. I'm not going to be invited back on the pod, guys. So it's been nice, knowing <laughs> you. nice to nice to be able to give some context here. You never know, mate. <laughs> if Graham Potter gets sacked next week, we're going to have you on again. That's for sure. Oh God, don't say that. But um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens at the weekend. Amen. Uh, do you have any nice plans this weekend, mate? Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, calling out the uh, the Bromby game. As uh, as now I'm a, as you know I'm an honorary Bromby fan. I'm actually going to see my first Bromby game in the weekend. Bromby against uh, Randers, my my newly adopted Danish team. So um, I hope to see some good stuff. And uh, um, I think I'm slap banging with all the hooligans in my my seating area. With sorry, I, I should not the hooligans, the season ticket holders <laughs> is what I should say. So sorry, it, mate, it should be. Oh, it should be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Shout out to the Bromby fans. I'm going to be uh, shouting my loudest and I hope to see your 16-year-old score some banging goals. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to tell us what his name is next time you're on and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get you to give us a sort of debrief of what it's like what's, what it's like watching Bromby. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> how do you pronounce it? From, from... Uh, Bromby. Brunby. That's going to be completely wrong. I know that's going to be completely wrong. I'm going to get completely tarnished uh, when I go there. But uh, but uh, hopefully they're, they're kind of sitting mid-table at the moment. But they believe they're playing Randers who are at the top of the table near nearly. But you know the Danish league is not like our leagues. It's, it's so up and down. Anything can happen. Love it. Yeah, I like that. That as a you know as a kind of expat in a new country, I think having that option to just sample some local football it's a good shout mate very very good shout um, I'm going to try and get to a Porto game at some point and that will probably be intense that'd be good I would love to see a Porto game Porto against Lisbon that'd be a cracking game Some or Sporting CP I should say or Benfica either one of the Lisbon teams would be awesome to see yeah, I think it's only like 20 minutes walk away from this apartment so no excuses Beautiful. mate I'm going Beautiful. to have a look into it this week <laughs> um, awesome well this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on this podcast again. Um, but, you know, Chelsea do a lot of stuff and we need you as, you know, our Chelsea expert to give us your thoughts. But, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for the invite. Pleasure as always. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank you very much for listening and we will see you early next week for more Bloody Prem uh, reviews. Thank you and good night.